Welcome to Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast, a podcast intended not just for parents or caregivers, but individuals seeking guidance around challenging behaviors or recurring and negative patterns in your life. Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast aims to have you asking, who am I parenting here, my child or myself? This podcast has a vision of you, the adult, stumbling upon a new relationship with the child you once were. Parenting is no easy task, but it doesn't have to be a burden. We are happy you are here. Welcome back to Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast, and today I'm going to be chatting with Sarah Terwilliger, and this is episode seven of the podcast, and the fourth of a series of five podcasts for the Unpacking Eating Disorders series. So today we're going to talk about symptoms, uh, eating disorder symptoms, and how to recognize them, and Sarah's going to speak a little bit about... um, really what a symptom is and um, talking about how our culture is very food driven and how parents, um, it's really important to understand what eating disorders are and then you understand the symptoms. And so we talk a little bit about what the difference um, or what that really means. So for example, we talk about how um reading something so maybe you suspect an eating disorder and you read something online and you take that uh, information and you try and apply it to your child's uh, scenario or situation maybe you ask them specific questions about what you've read um, but you don't have a real grasp of what eating disorders are um, that going to your child that can actually be very detrimental Uh, so first and foremost it's important for you to understand the eating disorder and then what comes is the ability to observe and see for your uh, unique individual child what it is that might be changing in terms of their eating habits their routine um, inconsistencies in what they say and doing and being that observer and noticing if um, things are changing and then having that conversation um, that will bring together a stronger connection between you and your child it is it'll sort of send a message a, a message whether, whether it's subtle or obvious a message to the child that you've got their back that you understand really what's going on and as much as maybe they think they are hiding something they aren't um, because as we've spoken about before the eating disorder thrives on the ability to be able to hide uh, symptoms and get away with food restriction, calorie restriction, that kind of thing. Sarah talks a little bit about pro-ANA websites and just really making sure that we are monitoring our child's social media path or links, uh, contacts. Yeah, so I hope that you enjoy this. I know it's been some time since we've been able to complete this series and I was grateful to have Sarah back and finish this up. The fifth one will be coming very soon and we are going to talk about what parents can do in that episode, the last of our five-part series in Unpacking Eating Disorders.
Thanks very much. Welcome back to Hashtag Parenting Who podcast. And today we're taping episode four of our five-part series, Unpacking Eating Disorders. And today we're going to talk about symptoms and how to recognize them. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. So I guess this is probably, I would think, one of the biggest things about eating disorders is the symptoms. What is a symptom? What, it's, what is not a symptom? Can you share with me a little bit of what your knowledge is and what you're working with uh, families about around symptoms? Yeah, I mean, it is a really tricky thing. Um, and sometimes symptoms are a little bit uh, hidden. So mm-hmm. they're not always out in the open for you to see. Um, I think there's a big misconception that, you know, well, bulimia itself is always known for being purged, you know, having a purge. Um, and, and people are, for some reason, people really gravitate towards that. Um, but there's a lot more symptoms to eating disorders or what we call a behavior from the eating disorder um, than people really think. Uh, and, and I didn't really know about them either until I started working with youth and families. So um, it's no one's fault. It's, uh-huh. it's hard to understand the eating disorder. Um, and once you do, you start understanding each of the symptoms. So okay. some of the symptoms um, that you might see are some of the, the main ones would be um, some around food, some around uh, exercise, maybe some around bathrooms, but not necessarily just, you know, purging. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go a little bit more in detail for some of those. Um, some symptoms that you might notice with food would be smearing food on a napkin to get rid of it, um, putting food in your hair, hiding food in your sleeves, um, basically pretending you've eaten food when you haven't. So eating when your parents aren't home, maybe throwing food in the garbage, uh, making it look like you ate. So maybe dirtying a plate and leaving it on the counter. Um, And so those are just a few. Um, Maybe with food, your child has changed a lot of the ways they've eaten. So um, maybe they've cut out things and now they're eating a really strict diet or they've gone vegan. I mean, I'm not saying that all people who are vegans are you know, have an eating disorder, that's certainly not the truth. Mm -hmm, But, mm -hmm. you know, if your child has multiple symptoms, you know, that's when maybe you would want to investigate. So if, if they want to take charge of the groceries, and they're doing a lot of cooking, or a lot of baking, and you're noticing they're not eating it themselves, that may be a symptom. And so those are, those are just a few examples. They may yeah. no longer eat regular milk and only want to eat lower fat milk. Um, you, they may restrict dairy. They may restrict meat. They may, and by restrict, I mean not eat it. You know, they may not eat any candy at all anymore or any foods that are labeled, um, you know, junk foods. So just watching out for that. I mean, of course, there's a difference between someone that has, a healthy body image and is cutting out these foods and mm-hmm. ha- does not have an eating disorder. But then if, if you notice someone's exercising all the time um, and that's kind of the next, the next category of, you know, exercising. So are they 
how much are they exercising? Is it healthy or is it driven by losing weight? Um, that's something to look at. Yeah. And I was just going to say, we talked a lot about that in what episode was that? I think it was our third episode, the diagnosed and non-diagnosed eating disorders. We did talk a lot about those mm-hmm. different, like the yo-yo dieting, the laxatives, the exercise mm-hmm. or over-exercising. Mm-hmm. And I wondered actually, Sarah, if we could just bring it back to the smearing for a second, because in all honesty, like before I started working in an eating disorder program, I was, and I think it's really important that you, you um, clarified that, you know, once you understand the eating disorder, then you understand the symptoms. Because when I first started working in eating disorders, I didn't understand eating disorders. I'd never experienced it. I didn't know anyone that struggled with this. It was mm-hmm. a whole new world to me. And when we were sitting down and doing meal support, of course, they give us training on what kinds of things we're looking for and when we need to cue a patient, et cetera, et cetera. The smearing thing was like mind blowing to me (laughs) because to me, and I'm just being completely honest and I feel like listeners would relate to this. When someone took like egg yolk and smeared it on their napkin, I didn't think twice about that. Mm -hmm. But in the context of someone with an eating disorder, And in having that knowledge and understanding of what an eating disorder is, you see that very differently. And so it's, I'm imagining it's about the person just trying to dispel whatever food is on their plate to make it look like they ate. And like you even said, they'll even put it in their hair. And so it's just rather than ingest it, it's about getting it anywhere they possibly can. Isn't that right? Yeah. And and it may not be a napkin if they don't have one. It could be the underside of their plate, um, excess food on the table, excess food under the table, on the floor. Um, and yeah, that's it. it. It's that mindset of if I don't eat it all, that's better. Mm-hmm. If, if I can get rid of some of the, the nutrition in some way, that's my goal mm-hmm. versus... And, and ultimately, I know that that's not really their goal. Um, mm-hmm. Like that is just what their goal is for that moment, mm-hmm. you know, of trying to like get rid of some type of nutrition on that plate mm-hmm. so that it doesn't go in their body. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it, it is something that's really different. And you may not notice that in, you know, someone who may just get it on their face. Right. Um, and I would pay attention to what what it is that they're trying to get rid of or what it is that they're searching, you know, because from my experience, if you're smearing the middle of an egg yolk, then you're most likely having a fear of fat. So, you know, versus just in my own experience, and this is, I've never researched this or looked it up. I just, I noticed that some individuals are more fearful of fat and some individuals are more fearful of calories. Um, And so, I've just noticed that in my own observations, it's just Mm -hmm. something to look for. Mm -hmm. If you're noticing that, you know, peanut butter, cream cheese, egg yolk, high regular fat milk is not being taken anymore. Mm -hmm. And you know, your child has an eating disorder, eating issues. You know, I may look into that a little bit more. Yeah, that's really interesting that you say uh, you notice that some people are more fearful of fat or calories and they're different. Fat is one thing and calories is because some people are really focused on the calories and labels and they're trying to minimize, yeah, minimize their intake. But then like you're saying, there's another piece to it, which is that the fat and and the actual, uh, yeah, that's so interesting. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if somebody's, you know, monitor their calories, of course, that may mean that they're also decreasing their fat, but it's just what I, it's just what I pay attention to. Mm-hmm. So, and what you could pay attention to if you're trying to monitor your child, because you can, you know, some candies are low in calories or look, you know, vice versa. So they may still be eating foods, but they're lower calorie foods. Mm-hmm. The average person would use food, you know, maybe when they're sad, they're not eating that much. Or maybe when, um, when you're stressed, you eat more. We, we live in a culture that is food driven and the social events um, have food usually always present. There's a lot mm-hmm. of peer pressure to eat foods or that food is a reward for something, um, you know, Oh, you deserve that. You deserve Mm -hmm. this. Um, and so I, you know, I think that's important to keep in mind, um, that a lot of adults and not everyone, but there are a lot of adults in our, in our society, in our culture that, you know, we eat a piece of cake and we feel better. Mm -hmm. And some of us may use that as a coping strategy, but with someone with an eating disorder, especially with how unhealthy their mind is with that eating mm-hmm. disorder there, they, they may actually choose to avoid food in that moment instead mm-hmm. of where we would take a moment and enjoy that cake and feel better, mm-hmm. um, maybe engage in some self-loathing later. And I think that that piece is our reality. There's so many people out there that actually do that and, and may do it in a, in a minor way and not necessarily mm-hmm. like the extreme of having an eating disorder and it being a binge. But, um, you know, the thing that I love is that, oh, I'm going to have this cheesecake and there's no calories in it. It's like we have to qualify that it's okay to have this cheesecake by making this little joke on the side that there's no calories in a way to acknowledge I know there's a lot of calories and I'm just going to go ahead and eat it anyways, rather than just have the, the piece of cheesecake. Mm -hmm. I know. And it's like a proclamation. Like you have to say, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm having this cake or it's just, you're making a big deal about it. If you want to eat it, eat it. Um, Mm -hmm. If you don't, you know, don't, but um, when you're, when you have a child or an adolescent who has an eating disorder, those are, that's something minor that, you could pick up on that you mm-hmm. shouldn't really be talking about. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not sending a great message. It's saying that you actually do care about those calories mm-hmm. and that you feel you shouldn't be eating it. And you're sending the mm-hmm. message that cheesecake isn't good for you. When, when you have an eating disorder and you are, your body is starving. And so say you had anorexia, your body is starving for nutrition. Mm-hmm. A cheesecake is fantastic for you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's so good for you. And so mm-hmm. it has, it's made up of many good things. Um, but we label it and say, Oh, it's bad. Oh, it has mm-hmm. to make calories. Oh, mm-hmm. and that's not a good message to be sending, but I know. And that's that food driven culture. I think that's kind of my understanding yeah. of, of that. Yeah. 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 And the expectation that food is often at social events and that we are supposed to be eating it it puts a lot of pressure on someone who would have an eating disorder and may and symptoms symptoms may be increased around those times mm-hmm. i i also think you know how i was talking about symptoms there's a huge importance for parents to be aware of what it is because everybody's 
an individual. Everyone's situation is different. And sometimes you will have unique symptoms that your child may have a unique symptom and, and you need to know what that is so that you can mm -hmm. help them. So if it's hygiene related due to the eating disorder, mm -hmm. um, you know, helping them with that. If your child is over exercising um, in their bedroom, at helping them with that because not everyone has all of the symptoms that are you know under the typical diagnosis and you've talked about that before about the spectrum like um for the individual what is like do they accept themselves for themselves and if they're not accepting their own bodies where does it start is it body image is it sense of self is it not eating fats? Is it cutting calories? And so it really is unique to the individual and taking the information that you know, the knowledge, the information, learning about eating disorders, and then in a way translating it to your individual child or youth and mm -hmm. what it is. That, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And not expecting, like they may, not assuming that they are doing the behaviors that are on the internet. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what I'm saying is, you know, I wouldn't go to your child and say, oh, I know that if you're anorexic, um, you may restrict your food at dinner oh, time, okay. you know, and so. So don't prescribe what you're reading on the internet as relating to your child. Yeah, I think you need to notice your child's behavior. If they're not telling you they're going to the gym, but you notice that they are exercising and you notice signs that they've been exercising or that mm -hmm. then you know they are right like if you start noticing your child's arms are more toned or mm -hmm. legs are more toned then you know that they're exercising and when are they doing it are they doing it when you're not around are they hiding it from you because a lot of these things they're hidden mm -hmm. and and they're hidden on purpose because the eating disorder does not want you to stop them mm-hmm yeah, because if that relationship is there, that connection, then it's threatening to the eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, other things you say about like, you know, getting out of school early, saying that they've eaten when they truly haven't and how they will hide wrappers in the garbage. Uh, so it looks like or put them out in the open. So it looks like they've eaten or mm -hmm. in other cases, you know, binge and then hide all that stuff and throw it in a garbage at your local park. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because there is so much sort of observation that can take place in symptoms and realizing and recognizing for your child that is part of you educating yourself as the, the, the adult mm -hmm. around the eating disorder. And almost like I see that, and correct me if I'm wrong, as kind of a first step is to do that, be aware, be knowledgeable, and then observe and notice if things are not as they seem or if, like you say, they say they're not exercising, but their arms are more toned. And then maybe begin to confront or have that conversation um, so that it is more specific to them rather than that, you know, 12 step. And I'm just totally making that up. 12 step um, thing you might see on the Internet that says this is what someone who has anorexic does and then bringing that to your kid and saying, oh, well, if you do this, it says this. Because that, to me, lacks the connection and it lacks the awareness. And there has been no observation. It's a, okay, this is what I think. I'm going to take this and I'm going to throw it on you. And I don't imagine that conversation is going to go very well. <laughs> yeah, it's going to make yeah. them close up and, and back away from help. Like, the more you understand, the more they'll talk to you. 
yeah. and the more they're going to open up with to you. And so listening and creating that, like that open communication and then listening to what their symptoms are, you know, what are you having a hard time with? It looks, it, you know, it looks like you're having a hard time at dinner, mm-hmm. you know, are you, mm-hmm. instead of assuming, you know, I'm asking, are, are you having a hard time at, at, at our meals together? Mm-hmm. So parents really are, they need to be there for their kids mm-hmm. who have an eating disorder. It will help them recover. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I say all these things because you, you really can make a difference in your child's life. Mm-hmm. And so being aware um, will help you do that. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to talk about is um, the pro sites. Yeah, and please do. Because I think it's in, in social media. Um, mm-hmm. You know, monitoring where your child is going on social media, who they're following. I mean, in this day and age, that's something that we have to think about. You know, mm-hmm. so, so on social media, on Instagram, what is their, who are they following on Instagram? Is it mm-hmm. all people who are dieters, anorexics, um, you know, weight loss people, workout, you know, who are they following? Mm-hmm. Um, because they may be getting dangerous messages there. And then mm-hmm. the, the fact, just be aware that pro-ANA websites are out there and they exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you just explain that really quickly for those who might not understand or have heard of that before? Uh, so um, pro-ANA websites are, and there's other names for them, they, they're created often, but um, really it's pro-anorexia websites. Mm-hmm. So it's people who have an eating disorder anorexia and I'm sure there's ones for every kind of eating disorder Mm -hmm. Um, and they go they create a website and or a blog so these are often on personal blogs too and they teach others their tips and tricks to being Mm -hmm. anorexic and tips and tricks to being anorexic so yeah you don't want your child anywhere near that Mm -hmm. yeah they're actually really scary Mm -hmm. and um, terrible so And they're frightening to see as someone who doesn't have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are basically encouraging you. They teach you how to get away with having one, how to hide it, mm-hmm. how to exercise more, how to burn more calories. So they're really frightening. And so being mindful of is your child visiting these websites or putting filters on your on your browser so mm-hmm. that your child can't access these because for a growing mind that already isn't doing well, these are very mm-hmm. sad websites that yeah. that are dangerous. Yeah, it's a super scary time because I certainly didn't grow up with the, all of that information available to me. And so as a parent, we have to be so proactive about this mm-hmm. and the realities. And the other things you can, well, as you know, for symptoms, just setting boundaries and mm-hmm. knowing that they're not there. And what I mean by a boundary is, um, no, you can't go to your friend's house until you finish your nutrition. So mm-hmm. you have to finish dinner and then you can go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, or, or you can go 30 minutes after dinner, after your mm-hmm. food's digested. So mm-hmm. those are kind of boundaries. That's rules. And, you know, you may get pushback from your t- teenager about that. But just saying, you know, I'm not doing this to punish you. I'm, I'm doing this from a place of love and caring and and this is what has to happen. So mm-hmm. that would be a kind boundary. And, and helping them get a meal plan, setting them up with a dietitian, mm-hmm. um, and helping to replace food that isn't eaten. 
and letting them know that that needs to take place. Uh, you cut out a little bit, but I think you said um, working with the dietitian to help with the food that isn't eaten to make sure they get the proper nutrition. Well, just you can do that as well, but just helping them to know that in you, like within your care, food is important and that they need to replace food that they haven't eaten. So if they haven't eaten their dinner, then they need to in whatever way that is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and you and, can work with a doctor or a dietitian to help right. with that or therapist. Yeah. Because um, that can be hard to learn. Right. Good point. Yeah. yeah. So, following up with doctors and reaching out to professionals to mm-hmm. collaborate with and create a team to work with getting your child back to a, a healthy state and being in a state of recovery. Thank you again so much, Sarah, for all of your valuable input, your insight and information. It's really invaluable for those that are listening, and I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Julie. Okay, take care. Yeah, bye-bye. Thank you for joining me today. Please remember that information provided in this podcast is not therapy and is not a substitute for receiving help. From a licensed or regulated healthcare professional. For more information on this episode and links discussed here today, please see the show notes. Please also visit my website, which includes more resources and social media links, as well as ways of getting in touch with me at julieclarktherapy.com.